Welcome, everybody, to He's Not Done Yet. He's Not Done Yet is a radio ministry that goes out every Sunday from 10 to 11 on Victory Radio Station right here in North Little Rock, Arkansas, as well as you can uh, watch it on YouTube and listen to it on Spotify and Google Podcast and all the different medias there. And uh, feel free to go to our website at He's Not Done Yet. Dot com he's not done yet dot com feel free to call me at 501-339-8017 i would love to hear from you uh, we'd also want to invite you to the first pentecostal church we have church on sunday morning at 10 30 sunday night at 7 and then we're back for our midweek on tuesday evening at 7 p.m and we'd love for you to come it's at 1401 calvary road right here in north little rock arkansas well, today's scripture comes from John 6 and 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you today, God. We pray that this falls on good ground, God, and we just honor you, Lord, and we love you. We thank you so much for being here today, God, and taking care of us, Lord. We just pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I want someone to lift your hands and lift your voice. If you know God's worthy of it, this is your time to give it back to him. If he's already made a way this week, you want to go ahead and give him a praise. You want to go ahead and give him a praise what he can do the rest of this week. He's worthy of it.
just wanted to introduce one of my special um, friends. He's a, he's a man of God. He is uh, somebody that I, I look up to, somebody that I love. Uh, he's a minister. Um, he's somebody that uh, I highly respect and look up to and is definitely a voice into my life. And uh, Brother Davis, we are so glad that you're here today, and we uh, just want you to come in and obey the Holy Ghost.
All right. Well, thank you, Brother Billy. Glad to be on He's Not Done Yet. And Billy McDougal and uh, the staff here, we're very excited about what God's doing. Here we are in the end time. We just almost couldn't believe that we'd finally get there, but it looks like we're just about there, aren't we? Mm -hmm. So uh, we just want to invite everyone to come in to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of course, um, there's a lot of folks say there's a lot of ways to get there. But uh, at the same time, uh, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit of those that believe on him should receive. Because the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Of course, Jesus was speaking in a, fi a future tense when he was quoting these verses that we read. And... Uh, so the Holy Ghost has been given, and Jesus has been glorified, and we're glad today to be here to witness, to testify today of God and His greatness and His delivering power. Uh, we're here today just to kind of go down, down memory road a little ways, and uh, way back in the 70s, I know that's before a lot of you discovered America, but... Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're so happy that uh, the Lord has delivered us way back in 75, and uh, he's kept us all this time. And uh, I'm, I'm not on no ego trip, and I know I didn't make it by myself because I've had a whole lot of help, uh, especially from the First Pentecostal Church in North Little Rock and Bishop Holmes and all our church family because the Word of God is our curriculum, and the Spirit of God is what we're guided by. The uh, pastor of the church, he was our counselor, and uh, our church family has been our support group all this time. And uh, I would like to eradicate in anybody's mind today to think that you can make it without going to church. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. And the scripture said we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, and so much more as we see the day approaching. So the church is the, uh, it's not an extra, it's an essential. It's the body of Jesus Christ, and the Bible said or also it's known as the bride of Jesus Christ, and he's coming back after his bride. So don't think that you're going to go if you're not with the bride. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to share with you today some, some biblical truths, things that uh, bring deliverance. Of course, true repentance. We're living in a world where uh, a lot of people in remorse, they're upside down about their life and their things that's happened to them. And uh, most of our world is very, very angry, even angry at themselves. But I'm glad one day that I finally decided that I was tired of being arrested by the cops. I was tired of getting thrown in jail. Of course, I wasn't but 20 years old, and uh, I don't know, all of you out there that's 20 years old, you're probably a whole lot smarter than I was back in them days, but I wasn't really that smart, okay? So I really needed a lot of help. And uh, I remember Sunday I was on the platform with Bishop Holmes and he, he introduced me to another preacher, and he said, we got this guy out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at the other preacher. I said, he's never going to let me forget that, looks like. so. But anyway, I'm so happy that uh, back in those days, uh, I, was in, I was in jail for not murder, for not uh, all these other terrible, awful crimes that a lot of people commit. But I was in there because of drugs, mostly, and uh uh, back in those days, we we actually burglarized drugstores to support our habit, and uh, that's uh, how we got most of our drugs. And of course, you don't do that very much till you get caught, and that's exactly what happened. And that's why I was in the jail that uh, there in Little Rock, way back in the seventies. It was a sure enough real jail back then with bars and walls and guards, and slamming doors, and uh, 
I remember when I woke up one morning in there uh, for about my third or fourth time, I was looking up at what they, all these guys that were jailers in there, they called everybody a captain, okay? So uh, it was Captain Johnson. He looked at me and said, hey, if you'll get a shave and a haircut, said, I'll let you out of that cell and you can be a trustee. Now, of course, they don't have those kind of requirements today, but thank God that somebody had some requirements and some uh, some principles, some guidelines. Of course, all of that is just about thrown out of the window today. But I'm glad to say that that's not the way it is in the church. In the church, there's still some good Bible principles that we live by. And uh, anyway, back in that day, again, uh, I got out of that sale and I become a trustee. And what a trustee meant was that... Uh, there was a five. It was a five-story jail with an old elevator in it, and the steps running up in it, up and down. And uh, when you become a trustee, that means you swept the floors. That means you mopped the floors. That means you poured the coffee to about 400 inmates, and uh, you fed the breakfast and the lunch and the dinner and what what it was. And and uh, I remember when we first got thrown in jail. It was in the city jail, there on Markham Street in Little Rock, and if you've ever, if anybody's listening today that's ever was in that city jail, they'll know what I'm talking about. It was nothing but a steel bunk and a concrete room. And uh, the breakfast uh, consisted of a guy came by with a big old long uh, sleeve of bologna with a knife. And he'd cut off the end of it and throw it through the bars to you like you like you were in the zoo or something. But, uh, but anyway... Uh, uh, that was a really, really bad place, and we couldn't hardly wait to leave the city jail and go to the county jail because in the county jail they had mattresses, and they also had Miss Hattie, which was the cook, and she could make the best yeast rolls and fried chicken that you ever tasted in your life, and that's the kind of good foods you actually got in the jail. So people were really jockeying, trying to get out of the city jail into the county jail <laughs> all the time. But anyway... uh I was such a hard head back in them days, and I know it all, and and uh, I'm so glad that uh, I finally began to listen to somebody. And uh, I remember that right there in that jail, every Sunday, they'd have three women and a man come in, and they would sing songs, and they'd play an accordion and talk about the Lord. And I remember um, uh, I had... Three different groups that were came coming there that were talking to me. One of them was a Baptist group. One of them was a Church of Christ group. And then there was these Pentecostal people. And, of course, they they looked much, much different than the rest of them did. And and uh, I remember the Baptist people talking to me, and, I, and I'd talked to the Pentecostals. And I'd never been in a Pentecostal church in my life back in those days. And and I re- remember I, I was talking to some of the Baptist folks, and, I said, well, can you feel it when you get saved? Can you feel it? And this one guy looked at me and said, well, really, you you can't feel it. You just got to accept it by faith. And I said, well, I said, uh, these Pentecostal people, they said you could feel it. And I'd like to have something that I could feel because I'd like to know when really uh, the Bible said you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit or you can't enter into the kingdom of God. So this this doctrine that we have today, it's not Baptist, it's not Church of Christ, it's not Pentecost uh, doctrine, it's apostolic doctrine. In other words, it's the doctrine that Jesus Christ taught and then the 12 apostles uh, as they are, were under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And the Bible said, holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are known as the four Gospels, and these were the uh, the biography of Jesus Christ. And in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there, believe it or not, this is kind of hard for some of y'all folks out there to believe, but there was no plan of salvation as we know it today, being born again of the water and the Spirit in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These were the books of transition. These were the books where Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. Speaking in future tense, talking about the church that was to come. And in fact, he actually looked at Simon Peter. 
And he said, Simon, Simon said, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But he said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And he said, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And as you can see, Simon Peter cursed and sweared and said, I don't even know him. And, uh, but after the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when they received the Holy Ghost, Simon Peter was a changed man. And that's what I'm wanting to talk to you about a little bit today is that how that when you repent of your sins, according to Acts 2 verse 38, and Acts chapter 2 is where the church was born. And this is where people, uh, you find uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus in Acts chapter 1. You find all the 12 apostles. And the Bible said about 120 were in that upper room. And then Acts chapter 2 opens up and it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place. And suddenly there come a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Of course, this is condensing the scripture I'm quoting right now. But they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. So this is where the church was born in Acts chapter 2. And uh, Peter on that day was the man who had the keys to the kingdom given to him by Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 16 and 18. Jesus told him, he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosened in heaven. So Peter was the guy who stood up in Acts chapter 2 when they said, men and brethren, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, this is what happened to me. When I first came into the church, believe it or not, they let me out of jail for a weekend. I was so bound by drugs, not alcohol, but drugs, that God could only trust me enough to let me out for the weekend. And uh, I remember taking my mother to church with me with my sister. And we walked into 52nd Place there in North Little Rock. That's where the church was located then. And I'd never been in a Pentecostal church before. I didn't really know what to expect. And when I walked into the auditorium, there was at least a couple hundred people in there. And people were worshiping and clapping their hands. And I actually seen one guy dancing there beside me. And uh, I really didn't think they were crazy. I just kind of looked over at that guy dancing, and I said, you know what? I said this to myself. I said, I don't know what he's got, but I want to get some of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad to, to tell you I went down to that altar, and I cried out to God in true repentance. And that's symbolic of death. The old man dies. And, of course, um, just a few minutes later, uh, I found myself in the baptistry. I got baptized. And after I come out of the baptistry, uh, I was standing there in the dressing room getting dressed, and I got to rehearse in my mind what was going on. And I said to myself, he didn't say Father, Son, Holy Ghost when he baptized me. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I found out later in studying my Bible, and maybe you want to have these verses so you can study them for yourself today, because in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 2, 38, Acts 10, 43, Acts 19, Five, they always baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. And Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. And then Colossians chapter 2 says, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. I'm glad that I did not get baptized in an inferior name, but I got baptized in the name 
that is above every name. Somebody told me, said, yeah, but you denied the Father and the Holy Ghost when you got baptized. Because when you get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, you're acknowledging the Trinity. Well, as I began to study in my walk with God, I looked in my Bible real hard and I never did find the word Trinity in there. Did you know that the word Trinity is not in your Bible? And then I found out that when he said baptize him in the name of the Father, the name of the Father is not Father. I'm a Father, but that's not my name. But I found in John, in the Scripture, uh, John 5, 43, Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. And then in Hebrews 1 and 4, he said he got his name by inheritance of the Father. So the Father was in Jesus' name. And, of course, in Matthew um, 1, excuse me, Matthew 1, 28, the Scripture said, the angel said, thou shalt call his name Jesus, talking about the Son. And then in um, John 14, 26, said the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So the Father was in Jesus' name. The Son was in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost was in Jesus' name. And I had a friend of mine. He said, well, Father, Son, Holy Ghost is what Jesus said that you need to do. And he said, I'd rather believe what Jesus said than what Simon Peter said. Well, that's not a very good argument, of course. Of course, if Jesus said one thing and the Apostle Peter said something else, that's not the way it is. Jesus said, baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The apostles knew what the name was in Acts chapter 2, 10, 19. Nowhere in the New Testament was anyone baptized using the words Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but they were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, which that name is Jesus, okay? So I'm glad that that's the way I got baptized. Brother Holmes did it the right way. And then, of course, God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I'd never been in a Pentecostal church in my life, so I didn't know what to expect. But as I cried out to God in true repentance, God filled me with his spirit. And this, just like in Acts chapter 2, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. That's exactly the same thing that happened to me. Now, the old drug addict, the guy that was burglarizing the drugstores, the guy that was putting a needle in his arm three and four times a day, he never did that again. I didn't go to a rehab clinic. I didn't have to get on methadone to get off of heroin. They didn't put an ankle bracelet around my ankles to where I could go on house arrest. No, the Bible said if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So I'm glad to tell you today on this broadcast that when you find God, you'll find him real through the Acts 2.38 biblical structure. Repentance is death. Burial, Romans 6.4, we're buried with him in baptism. That's what you do with dead people. You bury them. And, of course, being filled with God's Spirit is symbolic of the resurrection. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 said, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So being born again of the water and of the spirit. This is exactly the uh, conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. When he told Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water 
and of the Spirit, or you cannot see the kingdom of God. Brother Billy, I can't understand how people can tell people all you have to do is accept him as your personal Savior, when exactly the Scripture is completely opposite. Jesus said, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. So uh, you got to go biblical. You got to go by the Scripture. And of course, many, 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 many people are in such conflict today over what it takes to get right with God and to get ready to go to heaven. And of course, we see we see things culminating in our world today, and we're in the end time, and it's a very, very serious situation. People need to hear this gospel that I'm preaching today, and it's the same thing that the apostles taught. Repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. See, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're baptized in the family name. Okay? Now, my name is Davis today, and I got that from my dad. Now, we have something in our world today, uh, only happened a few years ago, it's called DNA. And you can do a DNA test, and you can find out, uh, do you have the same blood your dad had? Okay? Your father. And if the blood... DNA matches up with your dad, which it did. It made me a Davis because I had Davis blood. Say, what are you talking about? I'm simply saying that if the DNA matches up, that's where you get your name. And you've always get your name through the blood. See, when the scripture says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, it says, for the remission of sins. You don't get your sins remitted nor forgiven unless you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The words Father, Son, Spirit has no power. There's many fathers, there's many sons, there's many spirits, but when you use the name of Jesus, that is the name that brings about the power of the blood that washes your sins away. The apostle or Ananias came to Saul of Tarsus in Acts 16. <clears throat> and he said, Why, Teresau, arise, being baptized, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus, having your sins washed away. So, that's where you get the blood of Jesus, and that's where you get the Spirit of God. Many, many people today, they tell you about you just get saved. Well, true repentance is a wonderful experience. You have a great feeling when you repent of your sins, and a lot of people mistake that for getting saved. But really, in typology, it's just death to the old man. You feel that load lift, and then, of course, you get that sin washed away, and you get filled with God's Spirit, and it changes your life forever. I remember, and uh, <clears throat> I don't want to be too long-winded today, but ex at the same time, I want to show you, uh, as this broadcast, he's not done yet. So he's not done yet in a lot of people's lives today. And if you haven't repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, according to Acts chapter 2, he's not done with you yet. And um, the first time that I experienced shooting drugs, I was in a drug house in a room with probably five, maybe six people. And they were all shooting heroin. And I'd never shot up before. And they were talking about, hey, you want to try it? And I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm okay. I, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, I was 19 years old. 
I guess I had a little bit of a brain because I was very reluctant not wanting to do that. <laughs> and finally, uh, Don shot up with heroin. Bo shot up with heroin. Billy shot up with heroin. There's a girl there named Portia. She shot up with heroin. Everybody done shot up with heroin except me. Guess what they did? They pressured me into it. Next thing I know, I had a belt around my arm and a needle shoved in my vein. And the devil said, I got him now. Because they gave me hepatitis C the first time I ever shot up at 19 years old. Well, in 2011, that hepatitis C never did leave my body. 40 years later, showing you how long the arm of sin is, 40 years later, hepatitis C destroyed my liver. And I went from 210 pounds down to 118 pounds. I sat in a recliner for over a year. That's a hard way to die. And um, to show you the name of this broadcast, he's not finished with you yet. He wasn't finished with me yet. Boy, I sure am glad. Aren't you glad he's not finished with you? So I went to see a doctor, and his name was Dr. Buck, Michael, Michael Buck. This was in Salem, Oregon. I was pastoring a church just outside of Salem, a little place, about 20,000 people, a place called Staten, Oregon. Anyway, to make the long story short, the doctor said, uh, Mr. Davis said, uh, your disease is terminal. said, you're either going to get a liver transplant or you're going to die. He said, I'm happy to take care of you. And he did for over a year. Uh, if I understand what I was told right, it's about $800 an hour to see this guy. He was an internal specialist, and I did not know it till later, but he was one of the most renowned uh, internal medicine doctors in the world. So that's the kind of guy God sent me to. <laughs> Now, I will tell you this on the broadcast. God can instantly heal you. God can give you a miracle and you can be, a, you can be healed in just a few days. But a lot of times, if you're like me, and you are in a lot of ways, that's you have a lot of stuff in you that God really needs to get out of you. So he'll take you the long way around to burn all of that out of you, to make you a vessel of honor for his namesake. So, sure enough, uh, the doctor, he, after a year of going there, in the last couple months, they would bring me in every two weeks, and then it went down to one week, then it went down to every three days, they would stick a needle in my back through my rib cage, and they would extract uh, most of the time two two-liter bottles of body fluid that was around my lungs and my abdomen, and to save my life because I was drowning on my own body fluids. My liver had died. There was. The body functions had completely stopped, the kidneys, the liver. And finally, my doctor, he told me, he said, Mr. Davis said, you're a perfect candidate for a liver transplant, but you don't have no money. You don't have any insurance. But you know what? God's got whatever you need if you can just get a hold of him. And, of course, my wife and I, we went to searching for Medicare, um, Medicaid or Medicare. It was called uh, Disability. And we went into an uh, office there in Salem, which was the capital city. And the um, 
the lady looked at my condition. I weighed about 120 pounds, and I looked like death warmed over. And she looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and she looked at my wife, and she said, I can give you the paperwork, but it takes two years to get this. And she looked at me, and she knew I didn't have two weeks. And finally, she, it was like a light turned on in her head, and she said, the lady that's over the entire state is in the back room right now. I'll see if she'll talk to you. Sure enough, she walks in. She looks at me. She looks at my wife. And she said, I'll have him a number tomorrow. I'm talking about a disability number that would pay for a million-dollar liver transplant. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. By the time I got the disability insurance, by the time it was all done was six weeks, I got everything in six weeks. They sent me to the hospital the next week to acclimate me for a liver transplant. It's the first time in my life, Brother Billy, I passed all the tests. <laughs> but uh, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And they brought me in to drain that fluid off around my lungs again. And I was sitting on the table as they put a needle in my back between my ribs. All you people out there playing with needles, you really don't know what you're doing because it can, it's going to get you. But I'm here to tell you today, this is, Jesus said, you can have life and life more abundantly. All, this, all the gainsayers out there, all the false doctrines, please don't listen to them. We're not trying to be ugly or unkind to anyone. But if you'll repent of your sins and get baptized in Jesus' name, God will fill you with his spirit. It'll change your life forever. So they were draining the fluid off of my lungs, and I felt my spirit leaving. I felt myself dying sitting there on the table, and I told them, I said, you got to stop. And they stopped, and I thought, here I go. I, I, I Sure enough, I, I really believed I was about to die. And, of course, God had mercy on me. And uh, my wife called Dr. Michael Buck that day and said, he almost died today. And he told her, said, take him to Oregon Health and Science University in Portland. I'll have a room ready for him. Brother, let me tell you something. When God gets ready to bring out the big guns, he can do anything he wants to do. And that's exactly what happened you're not going to believe this, but I arrived there at the hospital in Portland about 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday the 13th. <laughs> uh, my luckiest day, if there's such thing. But uh, they put me in that room, and about 9 o'clock that night, it's really kind of strange, um, hepatitis C and the disease, how you, your body is actually eating itself. And you're being consumed. You're always hungry. But nothing acclimates if you eat or drink. And I asked the nurse about 9 o'clock at night on a Friday night. I said, um, could I have something to eat? I didn't know it, but they had told the nurses there, said, give him anything he wants. He's going to either die or get a liver, one or the other. We don't know which. You're not going to believe this, but about an hour later, they brought a prime rib steak in <laughs> and at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Now, where they got that, I, I really don't know. And uh, I know you probably think I was hallucinating. That really didn't happen, but it really was true. <laughs> and uh, I'd ate a couple bites of the steak, and all of a sudden, a nurse come running in. She grabbed my fork out of my hand. She grabbed my plate. And she said, I don't know what's going on, but you can't have that. And took off running with my food. And uh, my wife had just left about an hour before that. And you can imagine the trauma, the trouble, the uh, situation she had been going through with me for over a year. 
um, because in these latter stages of liver failure, your, your brain becomes full of ammonia. I would get my truck and drive somewhere, and I'd get lost in my own town. I couldn't find my way home because my brain would fill with ammonia. So my wife was, I was not the only going through, one going through this. My wife was going through it also. But uh, about an hour after the food, three doctors come into the room, two men and a lady. They were high-fiving each other. They were laughing and shoving and pushing one another and partying coming into my room. And I thought, man, am I losing it? What is going on here? And I found out, what is going on? And the woman doctor beat them to it. She said, we got a liver for you, and we're going to give it to you at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I said, uh, y'all pardon me if I cry, will you? <laughs> uh, and they started celebrating, and I called my wife, and I, I told her, I said, Tammy, they just come in my room, three doctors, and told me they have a liver for me, and they're going to give it to me in the morning. She said, that's not funny. <laughs> Quit acting like that. Don't be lying. Your brain is full of them. You're fried. <laughs> and, uh, of course, she found out later that was the truth. So 6 o'clock the next morning, they didn't show up. 6 o'clock the next morning, they didn't show up. Three days later, almost not quite three days later, they came in my room on a Sunday morning, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, okay. And um, they said, we're going to surgery. They got it ready. Now, I'm not sedated. I'm not under the influence of any drugs or anything. I'm, I'm on my elbows, and I'm on a gurney that they're rolling through the hallway. I'm up on my elbows. I want to see what's going on, okay? That's the kind of guy that I am. And they walked, they rolled me into an operating room, and it was brighter than the noonday sun. And as I rode by this bath over on my right, I seen a guy. He was washing something in that bath, and I looked over in it, and he had the liver that they were going to give me. I got to see my liver. You ever got to see yours? <laughs> Uh, so I'm laying there on the operating table and the guy come over with the mask and he said, you ready to go? I said, let's go for it. So to conclude here today and to bring this to a, a close and uh, to give God glory and praise and honor for what he's done, I want to just tell you this today. He's no respecter of persons, the Bible said. What he's done for me, if you meet the qualifications, he can do it for you. Say, what is the qualifications, brother? You mean I got to qualify? That's right. All you have to do is start repenting and cry out to God. You know the rest of the formula I already gave you. Find you a good apostolic one God, Jesus' name, baptizing church. And God will change your life forever. I'm glad to tell you today that that liver transplant was 12 years ago. And I've never had a ripple on the water. People ask me how old I am now. I said, I'm 70, 40. <laughs> I say, what do you mean you're 70, 40? I said, I'm 70 years old and my, my liver is 40. <laughs> because the guy I got the liver from was only 29 years old. He got killed in a head-on collision car wreck, and he donated his liver, and God gave it to me. And of course, that can bring tears to your eyes to think that what God would do for you and what he'd give you if you needed it, if you live for him. And... uh I'm glad that I've had the Holy Ghost over 48 years now. And I was a young man of 23. Now I'm an old man of 71. And I want to give you one more little story and I'll quit today. Back when it looked like I was going to die with the hepatitis C, 
I mean, it was bad news. It was getting the fluid drained off every three days. And it didn't look too good for the home team. And I told my wife, I said, I still don't believe I'm going to die. Now, I guess you call that faith. I don't know if I can articulate that into words or not. But I said, I still don't believe I'm going to die. But I said, if I do, I want you to be sure and put my sign on the end of my coffin. Praise the Lord. What sign, right? right. What did the sign say? Is that what you said? What did the sign say? Oh, what did the sign say? The sign simply said, I've had a blast. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to me today, and I'm going to close and be quiet and give this back to Brother Billy. But living living for God is not a drudgery. It's not rules and regulations and stipulations. Can't do this. Can't do that. No, no, no. Living for God is a blast because, see, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're not the same old man that you used to be. The things that you once used to love, you hate them now. That's right. And the things you used to hate, now you love. So thank God for His Word. Thank God for His Spirit. Thank God for the ministry. And thank God for the church. God bless you. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much, Brother Davis. Now, I know y'all have all been blessed and I'm telling you, it is a blast. And I'm going to tell you, man, what a ah, goodness, brother. I know everyone has been blessed today, and our pastor's going to come in and sing a song called Worth. You thought I was worth saving, so you came and changed my 